Welcome to Crime and Plastic, a gripping podcast where I, Dr. Miami, one of the world's top plastic surgeons, and my co-hosts, Santina and Rosie, delve into the often unseen world where true crime and plastic surgery intersect. Each week, Dr. Miami will share his expertise and insights into the complex world of cosmetic procedures, while Santina and I give you the shocking details of criminal investigations. From notorious criminals undergoing drastic transformations to evade the law, to even our own personal encounters with true crime and plastic surgery, all will be uncovered. So sit back, relax, or or don't, don't, because this is Crime and Plastic. Welcome back, everybody, to Crime and Plastic. How are you doing? Fantastic, Rosie. How are you? Good. We just did, uh, Santina and I did a Pilates class today. What did you think of it? I thought our teacher was low vibrational, but apparently I, I overused that phrase. Is it the pl- the place down the block? No. No. Oh. We went to a place in Edgewater. Okay. Can't say the name because I just called her low vibrational. Yeah, it was, I mean, the workout was hard, but I've been to better Pilates classes. <laughs> right? Me too. Great. <laughs> she didn't, again, we were just talking about 7 a.m. workouts or like early morning workouts. You need to be inspired. High she energy. She didn't inspire me. Well, that's too bad. Better luck tomorrow. Are you going back? No. I don't think so. Oh. I mean, they have different teachers. So I've done this place before and it's been better. So I think maybe with a different teacher. We're just also kind of bummed because our CrossFit coach left. Our queen, Amanda. Yeah. Amanda, come back. You're bummed for your bums. Yes. Got him. All right, doctor. I thought you were going to hire somebody, just a a special bum trainer. Yeah, that's her. That's her. So she, we still work out with her, like to do that. Uh But like our regular classes that we go to every morning, she doesn't teach anymore. And you don't like that. I don't like it. So you got to find a replacement. That's what the Pilates was. Yeah, I get it now. Wait, Mm -hmm. I want to add that I recently became a listener of our podcast. And what Uh, do you think, Santina? How are we we doing? So much better. Like I listened to him like. Okay, because recently I've been like hating driving. Like I need to be distracted. And the only thing that distracts me is other people's conversations. So and then I started playing our podcast. And I'm like, oh, wow, like it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Except I interrupt too much. No, it's I mean, you do, but it's not as bad nearly. I think what threw me off at first, which is why I haven't always been a listener, is because after the first two episodes, I wanted to rip your head from your body. I wanted to make you into an episode of crime and plastic then i was like okay i need to stop because i need to show up to work and all these things so i stopped listening but now we're great since megan shout out to megan yay megan she just cuts right through all your bs it's amazing (laughs) (laughs) sorry megan it's so nice to see the final cut because before i was like oh yeah i'm in the room why the fuck do i need to hear it again like i was there you're saying that i sometimes repeat things no, I'm saying like, I never listened to the podcast. Like, oh, I see. You don't listen to it because you were there. I thought you were still digging at me for repeating things. Oh, I'm not done. Oh. So when I listen to it back, <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, this is so much nicer when someone- Edits it. Like, yeah. I'll give me- Because I like, finish your sentences. Yeah. And interrupt you. When someone <laughs> goes virtually and just makes you not there. It's- <laughs> Erases the men from the room. It almost replaces my original memory. <laughs> Of the conversations. It's kind of therapeutic. <laughs> well, thank you, Megan, for well, was that movie Total service. Total Recall? You just like total recall, just erase the She whole, literally reprograms, reprograms everything. It's amazing. I wish you could do that with all my conversations. <laughs> okay. This week 
in crime and plastic news. A man who posed as plastic surgeon for BBL breast augmentations in Del Mar pleads guilty to battery. Where's Del Mar? Is that California? Yeah, San Diego. San Diego, California. Dario Moscoso, aged 70, was charged with consulting female patients at the now-shuttered Del Mar Cosmetic Contouring Center regarding procedures such as Brazilian butt lifts and breast augmentations, despite not being licensed to practice medicine. Apparently, this dude like, kind of owned the place. It was like kind of a is clinic a, owner, not is, a doctor. Was he a doctor from another country? No, doesn't say that at all. And he would just go into the rooms and like, you know, fondle women, <gasps> measure women's breasts, butts, whatever, and make recommendations, you know, like almost like a consultation. So he was, he pled guilty to felony counts of treating the sick and afflicted without a certificate. And using terms and letters falsely indicating the right to practice medicine and sexual battery. So he remains out of custody and faces a maximum possible penalty of five years in state prison. Earlier this year at that same clinic, the plastic surgeon, Gerald Schneider, surrendered his medical license following allegations that included the fact that he let this guy, Moscoso, see patients. So, yeah, that do make sure the person that is uh, you're consulting with is an actual doctor before you take your clothes off. Wow, that's fucked up. Yes, it is. It may be worth even episode if we have more details. So you just want to see naked women? I mean, no, I, I it, think, you know, I don't, you know, from the sound of the article and the position that he had at the clinic, I think he was just trying to move the business along. Like, I feel like he didn't, like the plastic surgeon wasn't available. I think he was a part owner in the clinic or something. And just was like, okay, let's see the consultations. Come on. I can do this. Breast I, augmentation. I mean, that would, make, uh, that would make sense if there wasn't a sexual battery. Well, it's sexual battery because you're not allowed to like touch someone else's body without their permission. That's true. It is, right? Yep, it is. Like if I say, oh, there's a fly on your butt and I grab your butt and there's no fly there. Sexual battery. But I think there has to be a, like an, in- is there no intention? To- the intention to touch. Yeah. And the false consent that they gave made it a Correct. battery. Correct. You cannot... Battery is just to touching their, somebody. Yeah. You can't convince somebody to take their clothes off under false pretenses. I know that battery is when you touch someone because at the law firm, colloquially, if someone hits you, you're like, oh, you just assaulted me, right? Like, that's what you'll say. No, like, it's battery. But it's battery. Assault so is then, just like going in your face and be like. Right. Assault is putting the fear of a battery. Right. Right. But that's not like late yeah, people don't think that. Like, right. First of all, when do you hear the word battery unless it's like really bad? Right. It's usually together, assault and battery. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah. I, but usually I, you hear, like, oh, she assaulted me. Right. You know? So and then if you ever use the word improperly. At a law firm. At a law firm with a bunch of da- like dickheads. You'd be like, it's actually battery. <laughs> I'm like, it's about to be both. <laughs> you throw a water bottle. I've just been battered. You're a six three man. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Rant ended. All right. Well, thank you for that news minute. And we're going to turn things over to San Rizzle because she has our story. This developing story that's been developing since March. March. So she's going to get into it. And I think we're going to probably update this continuously throughout the year as more things happen because it's the case that's... It's one of my favorite cases ever. Okay, that's like a controversial take. But honestly, this episode is going to be quite collaborative because this man, we've mentioned him like a million times already. The doctor, Rosie, have personally met him. Several times. We're talking about Tom (laughs) Kozowski, Dr. Tampa Bay. Rosie partied with him. I'm pretty sure I named him Dr. Tampa Bay, too. Oh, wow. So Dr. Tampa Bay, if you haven't listened to our previous episodes, you've never heard of him. Tom Kozowski is a plastic surgeon who was in a civil dispute and he killed, allegedly, 
the opposing attorney. More details, please. So first, I think we should start off with how you guys know him, because that's really what makes him relevant to us. (laughs) Well, let's begin with sort of a disclaimer. Okay. If he hears this podcast, I don't agree with anything anybody's ever said (laughs) bad about you, including the stuff that may come out of my mouth in my voice during this podcast. (laughs) Yes. You're a great guy, especially if you get acquitted (laughs) and or released from prison at any point in the future. (laughs) Do not put my name on your list, a list that people have when they get out. Right. Okay. What I'm about to say is purely for the entertainment (laughs) of our audience. Our audience. Okay, so without further ado. Oh, and if he gets a death penalty, everything was real. Okay, no, just kidding. No, just kidding. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> okay, so I think we met Dr. Kazowski in, it was around 2017. He was actually introduced to us from another doctor that we knew who worked with him in Orlando. Right. And, and then Dr. Kazowski, he wanted to... Like Dr. Miami was becoming popular on social media and all of that. So he wanted to come and see kind of just like a lot of doctors used to come to our office to see like what we did. He was a new. I mean, he was just like starting out his practice or working for this other practice. So he came, hung out here for a day or two with his staff. Doctor saw some of his work. You always say he did really good breasts. He showed me his breast work and I thought it was great. Right. So, you know, and then after that, we he would call if he had a question about surgery, about social media, things like that. And then the end of maybe the summer 2017 or later that year, 2017, we had a party with some doctors. I mean, More other, than a party. It was like a weekend. It was like a weekend you know, a retreat, retreat kind yeah. of thing with some of our doctor friends from all over the country. And he was he came and spent the weekend with us. And did he party hard? Not that I particularly paid attention to okay. or knew about. And then also in 2017, 2016, 2017, we were filming the Doctor Miami show for WeTV, and one right. of our one of the stars of the show, Adam Barda, who's a good friend of ours, somehow also became friendly with Tom. I don't really know if we introduced him or he. I don't know. I don't. I think he must have known him through us. I would imagine so, but maybe not because he lives. Yeah, he, Adam moved from like New Jersey or whatever. Adam to did an interview Tampa. with a news station. He was interviewed as Tom's best friend. <laughs> and so, yeah, maybe they became friends like not through us. But, you know, it was, they, a, it was around. He said that they did. He meant not through you guys. He oh. said that, that they met through social media. Oh, OK. Yeah, probably yeah. by you. He yeah. Didn't yeah. Want to you guys. Yeah. yeah, no, it just I don't maybe not. But coincidentally, Adam is a really good friend of ours and he became really good friends with Tom. I mean, we don't we never really had a close relationship with Tom. It was very, you know, just just those meetings that we would see him. And then I used to go to a lot of plastic surgery conferences because I used to like speak at a lot of them and try to network with other doctors. Dr. Miami also went to a lot of conferences and would speak and, mm-hmm. you know, network with other doctors. So we used to see him around, you know. The plastic surgery world is not that that big that you don't like run into people. And especially he's in Florida. We're in Florida. So, you know, so we knew him. And then like in March, Dr. Miami sends me a text message with a screenshot of an article and like a mugshot. And I looked at it. I was like, I know that guy. 
<laughs> I was like, Who do, where do I know him from? Because I haven't spoken to him since 2017, 2018, the latest. So it's been like five years. And then I read the article and I saw it was Tom. It was pretty shocking that what he's the, accused of doing. The interesting thing is just a few weeks before we decided to do a podcast called Crime and Plastic. That's true too. We had just been kicking around ideas for podcasts. Oh, should we do like a celebrity plastic surgery podcast? We don't know. Everybody's done that before. And we really love true crime podcasts. So we're like, let's just do a crime and plastic podcast. There's so many stories about crime related to plastic surgeons. Either they commit the crimes or committed to them, whatever. And then boom, like two weeks later, Tom gets arrested for yeah. murdering, you know, the opposing counsel attorney right. in a civil suit that he was in when he was suing another plastic surgeon. It was the craziest story ever. Right. So, you know, part of the reason we have this podcast is because of Tom. No, we already <laughs> were going to do the podcast, but that was like, no, a, it was we like, need to do this podcast. Yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah, we had decided to do it, but then the thing with Tom happened and we're like, it like solidified our commitment to this podcast. Also, at this point, the case is like ongoing, but I'm like fascinated. So <laughs> I like live on the court docket. Like I'm looking at everything they file. Like <laughs> yesterday I read like the transcripts of a proceeding that happened. It was like 250 pages. Like, Whoa. Four, four testimonies. I'm like... Santina loves the tea. I love the tea. <laughs> the best thing about working at the law firm was the fucking tea. Like every day I was like in people's business. like <laughs> All public record. Yeah. Yes. That's a nice thing. In other states, it's a little harder to get that kind of information. But in Florida, it's like... It's the sunshine state. It's yes. too easy. Like they file everything and it's all there. So... Yeah, actually the Del Mar case that you just talked about, I couldn't get the documents from California. Yeah, California. Not so much. Not up. so much sunshine. In this <laughs> they do have a lot of sunshine. No, but, but not sunshine laws. Yes, no, not like, sunshine. We laws. have like the most transparent sunshine laws. Yeah. Anyway, so, so let's talk about Tom, where he came from. How? What? By the way, once I saw the mugshot and read the story, I went back through my phone and started getting all the any video I had with me and him together. I started looking through. <laughs> And trying to look for hints of like psychosis or signs <laughs> that he could snap or... No, because what he did was literally fucking allegedly, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I believe he did it. Sorry, Tom. Diabolical. Right. <laughs> okay, so just so let you know like our connection to Tom and maybe go through... Let me it, tell you let me exactly what he's accused of, no, how it went uh, down. I got the whole... I got she the, got the tea. I got everything. <laughs> Tom... Roman Kozowski was Ro born on Roman Roman life in succession. Yes. <laughs> he was born on January 8th, 1979 in Poland. This is important later. He's not from here. And actually the country he's from is even more important. Okay. So when he was two years old, his parents sought refugee in Berlin, Germany, because there is some conflict erupting in Poland at the time. So he lived in Berlin for around five more years. And around the age of seven, they moved to the United States. So he okay. spent his early childhood years in the greater Kansas City area. Okay. He ended up moving eventually to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh -huh. And he spent the latter half of his childhood there. After high school, he attended college at the University of New Mexico. He stayed in New Mexico. That's where he earned a bachelor's degree in music. Really? Guys, why are all these crazy ass people doing music? Who else did music? Wasn't it like, was it Hitler? No. The guy, remember the guy who murdered, poisoned his wife? Yes. He John. had a yes. music room. Yes, he was yes, like yes. into music. John. Yeah. John Hill. No, but a lot of them do music. There's another one who like got rejected no, from music. Hitler was Ted, a painter, Ted, not a musician. Ted Bundy got rejected from music school. Oh. I think what it was. Maybe. And the and the cult leader guy was a ballet musician <laughs> yes. dude. 
Yeah, that's true. Right. So whatever. He studied. He got a bachelor's degree in music, a bachelor's degree in biochem. So I guess he double majored. And then he got a master's degree in biomedical science. He eventually moved to New England where he attended medical school at the prestigious Dartmouth. Yeah, it's an Ivy League school. Right. He attended the Tuck School of Business also during his time at Dartmouth. So he got a business degree while also going to medical school. Mind you, all this information is like in his court documents because his defense is trying to like humanize him. He graduated from Dartmouth College in 2007. He had the, like I said, the doctor of medicine and then an MBA in business. Does it mention that he was valedictorian? Which he was. It doesn't say that. Well, he was. How do you know that? Because it's in every other biography of him. Yeah, but this is a this is his defense team putting this out. His defense team does not want you to know that he's a valedictorian because that then it shows just how freaking smart he is. He thinks he's the smartest in the class. He thinks he can outsmart the cops. He thinks the, he can get away with The Dartmouth MBA and MD at the same time didn't show that. No, but that's a that's factual. It's not like it's not a judgment. The valedictorian is like puts you in another level. He was valedictorian in undergrad? Medical school. Medical school? Medical school. Wow. I don't know. That's his, not easy to do. His defense team it's not easy to do. I don't, I'm not even in sure. high school. <laughs> Hella hard at, in a, you know, Ivy League medical school. He did his surgical skills at Dartmouth Hitchcock Medical Center. Great program. That's where he completed his mm-hmm. general surgery and as well as his plastic surgery residency program. And then in addition to residency, he completed a plastic surgery fellowship at Memorial Sloan Catering Cancer Center in New York. Memorial Sloan Catering. It's like the top cancer hospital in the world. One of the top. Boo, he sucks. I'm the just my- saying, this is a He has a very good resume. High-powered dude. Right. But then like later when you hear the shit he did, it's like, Maybe book smart. Maybe he peaked in his <laughs> 20s. The Miami Breast Center as well did a fellowship there. And then Mark, oh, he did. Mark Codner Plastic Surgery in Atlanta. So Wow. He worked with Codner. Yeah, I guess. Wow. Who's Codner? He's a big breast surgeon. I think he's dead or retired. Well, now. he does good breasts. You said you always said he that. He does do good breasts. Tom does do good breasts. Okay. Yeah. We'll see how good he does them from jail. He's part of the prison program. <laughs> yeah, just until death row. So now that you know this about Tom, whatever, he's a surgeon. He becomes Dr. Tampa Bay. While he was working in Tampa, he worked for this like plastic surgery center. And he ended up leaving and trying to open up his like his own practice, like make his own name. The issue is that something happened with his old practice and insurance forms. Like they weren't submitting them correctly. Like patients were like basically not completing their surgeries or like there's a lot of disgruntled patients something to do with insurance forms and like the handling of it but that's like from the business aspect of the surgical center he worked for but these patients all they remembered was tom so when tom opened his own plastic surgery practice they went to his google and like spammed him with bad reviews oh wow but it was about, you know, the surgery center. They were talking about like, you know. The billing. The billing. Well, because wasn't it also like the place where he worked, he was doing breast reconstruction. So yes. it's like like they couldn't move on to the next stage unless the insurance like approved it and everything. So I can imagine that was very frustrating. So he was triggered and he was saying that like this was holding him back. It's the reason why his business wasn't taking off. So in 2019, he sues every fucking person involved with his old employer for negligence. Right. I explained it in one of the other podcasts, but when you do breast reconstruction, it's multiple steps. Right. It's usually not just one and done, one surgery. It's like four or five surgeries, get the areola right, the nipple right, adjust this, nip tuck that. 
And so, each uh, separate stage requires another authorization from insurance. So it could take years or it oh, could wow. take months, depending on how quickly your their back office works and getting approval for the next step. How much does it cost, breast reconstruction? You're talking about out of pocket? Out of pocket, yeah. I'm saying if a unit used insurance, how much is it? Like if it's a free flap or something, fifty, sixty thousand. Whoa. Yeah. Insurance pays that? Sometimes. Okay, so then he sues his so old he, employer. He doesn't just sue his old employer. He sues like everyone top to bottom involved with his old employer. There's like five or six different defendants. Like who? Like he sues like his employer. He sues like like the actual doctors who work there. He sues like the business people. He sues <laughs> this one lady who's like in charge of billing. Her name is Jennifer Friend. Right. He sues. What negligence did they do? I'm trying to figure Maybe out what not filing in, in a timely manner. Like no, I get it. I just yeah. I but it's like a weird cause of action. You negligent business oh, practices, negligent. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if the paperwork sits on your desk an extra month and that pushes somebody's surgery back a month and yeah. they get upset, I can see the chain of. I can see the. I can connect the dots. No, I can. I just. I'm just curious how they like worded his complaint. The point is that there are five defendants, and this law firm called Blanchard Law Firm represents four out of the five. And then the one other defendant, her name is Jennifer Friend. She's represented by this guy named Jake Pillsbury. Okay. 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 Her original counsel, it's like such a side bit, like her original counsel actually got like disbarred. <laughs> For what? So her new counsel was like taking her case on as a favor to his friend who was the guy who got disbarred. So Pillsbury, the Pillsbury dough. Pillsbury helped out his disbarred friend. Yes. And took on it. Mm. It's important because he ends up being like a witness to like all this animosity that goes on between right. Tom and Right. Why, Steve. why was she not included in the same law firm as the other four? Defendants? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So, because I guess maybe he was personally suing her and maybe she's not tied to that. I don't know. Right. Okay, the, fine. The logistics so are. she picked a lawyer who happened to get disbarred. <laughs> it's a little confusing because both of the attorneys defending the defendant are named Jake. Okay. There's Jake Pillsbury and there's Jake Blanchard. So Jake Blanchard owns this law firm. It's like really small and he has one associate working for him. His name is Steve Causey. So Blanchard gives Steve this case with Tom and he makes him like head of the case. Da, da, da. So all the documents are signed by Jake Blanchard, but it's Steve working on these cases. Okay. So within the first year of the case, Tom has a lawyer. He hired someone, whatever. He doesn't like him. So he gets another lawyer. He doesn't like that lawyer. Mm. Like a year and a half into this lawsuit, he decides to go pro se, which means he def he's defending himself. You know what they say about the lawyer that uses himself as a, How's it go? <laughs> has a fool for a client. Yeah, but what's the? How's it go? Say it the whole thing. A lawyer that represents himself has a fool for a client. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Right. The thing is that, and a client that represents himself has a fool for a lawyer. Yes, <laughs> true. That's, that's I probably... think Tom needed another fellow valedictorian lawyer to help him out. <laughs> so for how intelligent he is, whatever valedictorian, blah not, blah blah, valedictorian Ivy League. Okay. He does not practice the law. The law is like <laughs> super duper fucking specific. It's very procedural. Like it's like a if you know, you know. Right. It was also before ChatGBT could write briefs for you. Right. <laughs> or explain to you. If the only procedure. if he would have started this Steve lawsuit. Steve Cosby might be alive today if he had ChatGBT. Yeah. This so, episode sponsored by ChatGBT. And Crocs. <laughs> Best Crocs are Crocs. So Steve is doing most of the communicating with Tom because he represents four out of the five defendants, and Tom is representing himself. So the issue with representing yourself when you don't know fucking jack shit is that nothing you're doing is correct. 
And it's like a, a huge waste of time because you're filing motions and then you're asking for them to be heard. And then you have them heard. And the judge is like, what the fuck is this? Like, I've never seen anything like this in, in my life. Why is it in crayon? <laughs> and then you're getting mad because it, to you, it makes like it's reasonable in your mind. But it's not correct. It's not procedural. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. like certain format that you have to follow. Right. Like with all legal documents, so you have to write things a certain way and like put facts first and then conclusions of law. Like it has to be, it has to go. It's not like just a regular paper that you're writing. You have to follow a format. I mean, just like in medicine, when you submit a paper to a journal, right. there's like you have the abstract and right. you have the summary, you know, the right. methods. Right, right. And exactly. conclusions and all that stuff. Right. And he just kind of wrote like a mishmash. I guess. Well, another thing, or, like he was asking for things that like you just don't get. Like he was requesting like documents and like the other council has the right to object to your request. Uh -huh. And he wasn't getting that. <laughs> so he kept filing for like motions for sanctions against Steve because he's like, Steve is not producing them. And Steve is like, A, I've produced all I can produce. If you want to file, <laughs> like if you want to file like an objection to my objection, like then we can have that heard. But you can't just keep filing motions for sanctions against me. So whatever, like Steve and the other guy, Jake Pillsbury, were like, this guy is just like not a lawyer. And it felt like a big waste of time for everyone involved. But according to Jake Pillsbury, the other counsel for defense, he said that the judge gave Tom so much leeway, like more leeway he had ever seen in his entire career. Oh, wow. Because the court has to be... <clears throat> Extra nice to pro se clients. Right, because, again, oh, yeah? you don't know. They have to, yeah. Probably because they don't want to, like, lose on appeal or, you know, say that they blah, blah, blah. So they'll get Just overturned and things like that. Interesting. So. so he would get... There was all these, like, little tit for tats. He kept filing motions for sanctions. At one point, he filed a motion to remove Steve Causey as counsel for the defense. Can you do that? You, yeah, can, you can if there are real reasons. <laughs> what would be like a reason? He said that he wasn't following like professional standards or some some shit like that. Or there could be a bias like or something. You know, I'm saying that's what Tom said about Steve. Yeah, no, I'm just saying other reasons why someone could be asked but to be removed. Ironically. Give, give me a for instance. I'm trying to see like what would... How could I in the OJ, demand that you use a different lawyer because of some bias? In the OJ case, well, he found out judge, that the, the that lawyer was tampering with the jury. Okay, fine. That's against the law. <laughs> or sleeping with the judge, let's yes, say. Yes, or sleeping okay, with the judge. Okay. I was going to say, in the OJ case, the judge had to be removed, didn't he, or something Yeah, like judges that? could be recused. He's saying, like, how could you ask, tell, like, the You're opposing a, party that they have to pick a new lawyer? Yeah, yeah. that seems... I, Everybody would. <laughs> I mean, You're like, too good. Yeah. So there was a lot of animosity between Steve and Tom during this whole legal battle. The thing is that it was all one-sided. Like Steve, according to everyone who like bore witness, like his boss, Jake Blanchard, and the other co-counsel, Jake Pillsbury, they were like, Steve kept it really professional. Like he never said anything crazy to Tom. He was very like patient with him. Naturally, he, I mean, it's annoying, but he wasn't like ever unprofessional or rude in any way okay so this, this is all important like these like steps in the case because it brings us to march 21st so tom is filing all these like crazy ass motions that have no legal, legal bearing right. relevant standing correct wasted paper and yeah. he's like desperate to have these motions heard and be ruled on so eventually they all settle on march 21st to have them heard also previously this is just like another tidbit that gets brought up a lot in the case. Like some months before March in 2021, or maybe it was even uh, 2020, late 2020, Tom was deposing 
just a witness, right? And according to Jake Pillsbury and Jake Blanchard, this witness was like so fucking irrelevant to the case. And he was hammering her. Like the the questions he was asking were like, like he just kept asking the same question over and over. Jake Pillsbury and Steve Causey kept objecting to the question. Then he would segue to like a different question and then go back to the same thing. They had to take several breaks. And this deposition happened in person at Steve Causey and Jake Blanchard's law firm, like this mm-hmm. their law office, because they had like a shared space that they could all sit down. Da, da, da. But Jake Pillsbury wasn't physically there. He was there over Zoom. So Do you know what the question he was trying to get answered? No, was? they didn't, they didn't say. Okay. They didn't say. But it was like they said it was such an irrelevant witness to the case. Like, so whatever. Do you take sugar in your coffee? <laughs> So at one point they took a break because everyone needed it. And Steve went to the bathroom and Tom followed him and apparently told him like, you're a scumbag, just like your client. So then they both came back to the deposition and Steve texted his boss like this guy just called me a scumbag in the bathroom. And apparently he had done that so that it would be like on the record. Right. That's smart. That's later what his boss, Jake Blanchard, said. Okay. So, like I said, Tom was filing all these motions. He was desperate for them to be heard. So they finally set a hearing to have all of these heard on March 21st at 11 a.m. 2023. Yes. Wow. Did I say 2021? Yeah. I meant to say 2023. Okay. And that depo happened, I guess, in 2022. Sorry. I fucked up the years. <laughs> and it's then- okay. It's because I, I, I'm actually learning a lot from this. I'm just a dopey doctor. I don't know much about the law and the procedural stuff. And she watch suits. It's so good. <laughs> I should. I do feel like suits, so you kind of have to like know things to understand sometimes. Or law and order. You learn a lot on that. Start with maybe LA law and move <laughs> up the law and order. Maybe. So March 21st comes. Okay. And Steve Causey arrives to work around 10 a.m. Mind you, he had this hearing at 11 that he needed to attend, but now hearings are virtual because of COVID. Uh-huh. So they weren't virtual back when his the lawsuit first happened, but now they are. So... Jake Blanchard, his boss, walks in later, sees him sitting down, typing. They exchange some words. Then Jake goes to his desk. At around like 11.30 a.m., Jake Blanchard, his boss, texts Steve, did you go to the hearing? It was a case management conference, whatever type of hearing. He said, did you go to the hearing? Because he had passed by his desk and he was gone. So he thought like maybe hearings are physically in person again. Uh So he texted him. He didn't answer. And when he went into his office, he saw that Steve's phone, wallet, car keys were still there. When he walked out of the building, Steve's car was still in the parking lot. And when he had looked at Steve's computer, Steve was like in the middle of typing an email. So Jake Blanchard's like, what the fuck happened to Steve? Like, where is he? So he starts checking the building. Eventually, he makes his way to the men's bathroom. When he gets to the bathroom, he says that he saw what looked like blood on the handle on the outside handle and then what scared him the most was that he walked in and all he could smell was bleach and then when he looked there was like specks of blood but more than that there was like like the wall had been like discolored but it resembled like someone bleaching a wall like smearing bleach on a wall to remove something like remove blood presumably because he also saw blood a little bit on the floor on the toilet seat And he was like, oh, fuck, something's wrong. So he calls the police and he reports Steve missing like right there and then. And also background, they like say in these testimonies that apparently Steve back in the day had a drinking issue. He was in recovery, actively in recovery. And he had been for like the last decade. 
So, and Jake Blanchard knew that. So he thought in his mind, like, he's like, I hope he's just kind of like on a bender, you know, like, I hope nothing bad has happened to him that maybe he left. And Jake Blanchard talks to this lady. She worked for the Peppy Bowl, but she's like a cleaning lady. She's responsible for cleaning the other bathroom. And when he talks to her, she says, she doesn't say right there and then, but she thinks it's weird. And then later on, you find out that lady, a week prior on March 14th, she had walked into the breaker room and she found a man in casual clothing, like in there in the dark. And she was like, what the fuck? (laughs) And then she was like, what are you doing here? And he was like, oh, there was a, there, someone reported a power outage. So she chased him out of the building because she was like, you're fucking weird. And he got into a Toyota Tundra that she said had license plates from New Jersey. She started talking to this like other people and she called the owners of the building and everyone was like, no, we didn't report a power outage. So she got scared and she filed a police report because she was like, who is this guy? And she also started to she said that she maybe watches too much crime or something like that. She thought that he had planted a bomb somewhere. Right. Or like done something to the air. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That is a very suspicious person. So when the police get there, she tells them, like they start interviewing everyone who's in the building at the time. And she tells them about the incident a week before. And so they start checking surveillance cameras. And what they see is that a man showed up that same morning in a Toyota Tundra. With New Jersey plates? With New Jersey plates at 8 a.m. He was seen walking in with nothing in his hand. And then walking out, lugging a wagon. And he stops at 11 a.m. right in front of his car. And he seems to be on his phone for like 15 to 30 minutes, which is the time of the hearing. (laughs) Then he gets into his car and the surveillance shows that like he's moving like a heavy object that kind of is like consistent with a body in a bag. Also, Steve is seen entering the building at 9 a.m. that morning and never again. Never leaves the building. They never saw him leave the building, like, from 9 to 11. Like, none of that. Long story short, it was Tom. On the camera. Allegedly. On the the camera. Allegedly. So Tom is on the camera. And then, so what did they, so what did the police do next? Oh, I also forgot to say that that lady who reported the guy coming into the breaker room just a week prior, she went into the breaker room with, like, two other people who worked for the building. She saw, like, a big box. And she was like, that box was never there before. So the a guy named Todd took it down and opened it. What was in it? And when they opened it, it was a wagon. Like a <gasps> foldable wagon. No. And when the police came. Oh, no. On March 21st. And they examined the breaker room because like. Had no she, wagon. Had, there's no wagon. I was going to ask, how did he take the body out in a wagon if he didn't go in with a wagon? He planted, he planted the it wagon. before. Did they ever look at the surveillance from that week? When the week before when he was found in the breaker room? Or they didn't have that? I don't know that they had that. Maybe over a lot of surveillance stuff like oh, copies tapes, of, over tapes over itself. itself. Okay. Also, they ended up tracking like Tom had made a purchase on Amazon for two wagons. <laughs> one to his Tampa house and the other one to his Miami house. And the police recovered the one from the Miami house and never recovered the one from the Tampa house. I just ordered a wagon from Amazon yesterday. <laughs> Because I'm uh, going to check the break room. <laughs> Be right back. So when Jake Blanchard told the police, oh, yeah, he has this issue with this guy, Tom Kozowski, they started to look into him. And they found that Tom, a month prior, had bought a Toyota Tundra for $26,000 and he never registered it. Hmm. Wow. They also... Planning this for a while. They also, that lady 
who the thing that made that lady also file a police report on March 14th was that as she was chasing him out to the parking lot, she realized that she had actually already seen that man before that day. Oh. And it was like early one morning. She was the only one in the building. And she saw this man and he was peering into the law firm. And the lights were off of the firm. And she said to him like, oh, I don't think that they open until nine. And anyway, they're appointment only. Right. It occurred to her that was the same guy. And she's like, oh, fuck. He was like staking the place. And I guess she does listen to a lot of true crime. So she filed a police report, which is crazy because I would not have filed a police report probably. No. No. Who does that? I would be like, <laughs> I mean, like, that guy's weird, but I probably wouldn't file a police report. But now, if you knew that the guy had been peering in before, then you see him inside the building, those two incidences make you, maybe pushes you to file a police report. I don't think so. I would just think, like, oh, he's like a homeless guy or something like that. Still, I'd be like, I don't, I don't want to die. But it's so good for the record. <laughs> yes. Like, for the... Well, it's good for... It's good for Steve. It's not great for Tom. No. It's not a good look for Tom. No. Okay, so they so what do they do? What do the police do now that I actually think that Tom? they were able to identify Tom as the person on the surveillance right. a week before. Really? But they weren't able to identify him as a man on surveillance March 21st because he was wearing like a hat and a mask. Right. Okay. So they found that he bought a car that he didn't register a month before. What else did they find out about Tom? They also found out that, oh, so they like triangulated his phone, <laughs> like first leaving his house at like, like early in the morning, like, and then they found that he turned off his phone when he got onto the highway and then he had to log on to the hearing. Yes. So when they triangulated his phone that morning at 11. Where was it? They said it was like literally looming over the parking lot. Oh no. Like his location was so close that it was looming over the Blanchard parking lot. Right. So, which is where they found the figure standing yes. for half an hour on their phone. Right. And then get into the car with a body in the wagon. Yes. So when did the when were the police doing all this? This was the same day or the next day? No, they were doing that in like the in the week. Like, oh, okay. As they were like interviewing people, they were like checking surveillances. So they didn't arrest him like that day. No, they no. ended up arresting him. I believe March 28th. So like another week later. He really, what was he doing all those days? I'll tell you what they found him with. <laughs> oh, also in his Google history. Oh my God, it's so bad. <laughs> How to kill Steve Kazi. Oh, let me get more specific. Best way to kill Steve Kazi. No, but like no. they found in his phone, in his... they found in his phone photos of Steve and Steve's husband, Michael's cars in their like building what like Whoa, like stalking them Whoa. like in the lot like photos of the lot he found videos of the blanchard parking lot which and the video included steve's car they found wow. they found him googling this what is it called i can't even pronounce it anyway it's like a sedative the sucks the succinylcholine yes yeah. that's what he Succinylcholine, it's not a sedative. It's a paralytic agent. A paralytic, right. It makes all the muscles in your body go weak, so you can't breathe. Yes. So they found that in his search history. And then when they arrested him, they found that in his car as well. So where did they find him? Where did they arrest him? In his house? Like, what did they do? They arrested him, I think, en route back to Tampa. Because he had gone down to... So straight from the Blanchard Law Firm, he drove all the way to South Florida. And apparently he stopped. Let me tell you. By the alligators? Yeah, he, st <laughs> he was on like the 10 Miami Trail. Ooh, yeah, that is by the alligators. He stopped. Okay, guys, I fucked up slightly a little bit with the dates. So 
March 21st, Steve goes missing. Okay. A Toyota, Toyota Tundra is found in the parking lot, like on surveillance, da da da. The Largo Police Department, by March 23rd, so two days later, mm-hmm. had a search warrant on they, Tom. They did it quick. Quick. But Tom wasn't home. But when they got to his house, they found the Tundra in his garage. Okay. And inside of the Tundra, they found blood on the driver's side, the driver's side floorboard, and the garage floor. Okay. That's very sus. Yeah. So he was not home because he was still in Miami. Then on March 25th, so four days after Steve went missing and only two days after the search warrant, that's when they arrested Tom. Got it. Okay. So the working hypothesis is that he took the body in the Tundra back home, switched it to a different Toyota. Yes. Corolla. So he had two cars. He had the Toyota Tundra, which was the unregistered car that he bought for $26,000. And then he had his personal car, which is a Toyota Corolla. And so earlier I said that he drove straight from the law firm to... Miami, but it's not true. He must have made a pit stop. He stopped home first. Yeah. And then, so when they arrested him on his way back to Tampa, what did they, so what did they find in this car when they arrested him? They found a bag containing mask, a taser, brass knuckles, duct tape, intravenous sedatives, which was the paralyzing agent that I said. Sucks. They call it sucks for short. Sucks. Sucks in a coating. They said they found Why did he take his murder bag with him too? Why didn't he dump that in the Everglades? Was there money on him? Well, no, I think that he... I don't know. Okay, so they found him in the car. They arrest him. They find the murder bag. And he gets taken to jail, indicted. And then... He he pleaded not guilty. He pled not guilty. Which is crazy. And then they said that they're going to seek the death penalty. Yes. Why didn't he get rid of the murder bag? Tom... Wait, but what I was thinking... It's a mystery. What I was (laughs) thinking about is like, when did he cut up the body... Well, I don't think he cut it up that much. I think he left it for the garbage compactors to do. I mean, they said that if the bag fell like a human body. Yeah, but if but they said they found a bunch of blood. And if he just like injected him and maybe choked him out. There might have been a struggle. It's not instantaneous. So the police's theory is that he injected him with sucks and then he just stopped breathing. Well, no. it's not instantaneous. There might have been a little bit of a struggle. But no. a struggle to inject him. Once he injected him, no, how long even does, after this. How long does it take? Google the onset of sucks. <laughs> Maybe Great. that's what he so was Googling. I'll get arrested. Let's see. <laughs> well, also. Um, let's see. Onset of sucks. The bo- the police believe that there was some sort of murder a weapon involved because of all the blood. So even though they didn't find a lot of blood physically there, when they like put the little light or whatever, they said there was a lot of blood loss. So he could have injected him to paralyze him, then like stabbed him to death or something? Yeah. Also, spoiler, whatever. You wouldn't have to, though. He would just stop breathing. Like you don't have Maybe to. Maybe he wanted to take out his frustration on him. Oh, like a There was passion. a lot of blood. So he definitely did something. I'm pretty sure. In one of the other reports, it said that on his Amazon, another one of his Amazon purchases was like a knife. Oh. Two to three minutes. When in, when you inject it into a muscle, it's two to three minutes. Also, he could have just like fallen and hit his head on a toilet. You bleed a lot from your head, right? Yes, you do. Yeah, they did say that there was a little bit of blood on the toilet, but I don't know. All right, we're going to leave you guys here. Tom Kozowski has been arrested and charged with first degree murder. And the state of Florida is seeking the death penalty. We will be back in future episodes to let you know the updates as they come in. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Santina, for regaling us with this story <laughs> of There's our so much shit. It's so close to home. Yes, it's, it's very so close. It's to very home. close to home. There's it's just so many. I don't think I've ever met a murderer in person. 
that I, I have. like a accused I have. murderer. I've had met two now. I've met a convicted murderer. Really? Yeah, my neighbor. Oh, I think I told you about yeah, my neighbor. Yeah, you did. All right. Well, let's see how this plays out. I don't think it's looking so great for Tom, no. and I think he should get a plea deal. That's my uh, legal non, advice. Non legal expert opinion. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back. And don't next forget week. Crocs, the best Crocs around, or Crocs. <laughs>